Well, as I mentioned just a minute ago, uh, we have the privilege of speaking with Holly and Fred Okoth all the way halfway across the globe in Kisumu, Kenya, and uh, so we're really grateful for that. But before we do that, I wanted to read a scripture passage that came about in our conversation, the conversation that I'm about to have with them and that you're about to hear, and it, it relates to, to what we've been experiencing as a nation this last week. I, I want to name that. This has been a hard week for everyone, I think. And, and my heart, and I shared this at the last service, my heart sometimes to a fault is for unity. I love unity. I, I just, God has wired me that way so much so that I literally own both a Chicago Bears and a Green Bay Packer mask. I own both. Now, I, I have to disinfect my face when I wear the Packer one, you know. I, I mean, come on. You know who I root for. But I love everyone, right? And so as I look back at this last week, I just want to point out that we experienced something in this nation that we have not experienced in a long time. And that's unity. And some of you might be laughing, but here's what I mean. I think it's accurate to say that just about everyone was disappointed this week. Everyone was disappointed. Uh, we, we went out in, in record numbers as a country and, and voted for a president, and for several days, it was a hung jury. We wanted resolution. We wanted this all to be over. And sure, half the country wanted it to go one way, and the other half wanted it to go the other way. But I think we all would agree that we just wanted it to be finished. And so on Tuesday nights or Wednesday morning, when we realized that it wasn't going to be resolved in our time, we all experienced the disappointing realization that this election was not going to provide the resolution that our weary souls and hearts were looking for. And so as your pastor, all I want to say is, of course it didn't. Of course it didn't, because as important as a presidential election is, and getting to the resolution of that, and that all is important, what happened this week is not what our hearts were made to find peace in. And so after a week of emotions and confusing news, this is good news. This is good news that nothing this week that happened in our country or anywhere across the globe materially changed the balance of the universe. Our source of peace and mercy and power and justice, those things come from one source and one source only, and that source has a name, and his name is, I think you know his name, what's his name? It's Jesus. Can I get a Baptist amen in a Lutheran church? Amen. We've got to remember this. We've got to remember this. Now, I was planning on reading a different passage, but as I mentioned before, I'm going to read you the one that Pastor Fred is going to reference in just a few minutes, and it speaks into where we're at right now. Hebrews chapter 13 and the very beginning of the chapter, and next week we'll talk about the end of the chapter. Now, very quickly, the book of Hebrews is a letter in the New Testament. It's written to the Hebrew Christians in the midst of, of just unbearable persecution and imprisonment. The stress in their environment, is affecting their faith. Now, just show of hands at home or in person, how many of you have had your faith impacted by the stress that's happening in the world around us? Just show of hands. 
Many of us are asking questions about where's God in all of this. All of those kinds of things. Same things were happening to the Hebrew Christians in this particular moment. And so the author writes this letter. And and in a nutshell, he writes it so that they keep the main thing the main thing. Because we all need to hear that reminder sometimes. And so, so here we find ourselves. It's the very conclusion of the letter. Chapter 13 of Hebrews, beginning at verse 1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. And what the author is speaking about at this point is just how easy it is to grow inward in the face of adversity. It's the opposite that he calls us to do. The opposite of what feels natural in a season like we're living in right now. He says, keep on loving. And don't just keep on loving those that are like you, but go love the people that are the opposite of you. He says, literally, love strangers. And so to apply it to today, that means love strangers who voted differently than you this past week because those strangers might be an angel. And so just think about that for a second. Can you imagine if the people of God in this moment walked around and loved the people around them who thought differently than them as if they were a messenger sent from God? Is that not a vision? (laughs) Is that not a vision that comes straight from God's word into our hearts? And it doesn't end there. Look at verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed be kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Now, where is that coming from? And how do these two things relate? That was the question I asked. How does, how does marriage and adultery, what does that have in common with the love of money? And, and here's, here's the common denominator. It's that both are rooted and where we find our hope. Both are where we find someone to take care of us or something to take care of us. You know, in in many instances of infidelity, of adultery, you can trace it back to a spouse that doesn't feel loved and doesn't feel taken care of. And that doesn't make it right. It's a sin. It makes the situation incredibly worse. But it's the same as the love of money, right? When we're not content, when when we don't feel safe, we need more of it. And the more of it we get, the more we realize there's never enough to really make us feel at peace. And so in both instances, the author of Hebrews says, don't do that. And these are just two examples. Because, verse 5, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Friends, as I read this, I, I thought about my calling as your pastor. In seasons like this specifically, because like you, I get caught up in all of it just the same, the stress and the worry and the fear. It's just so generously poured into us by every different direction in these moments. And in that way, we're all exactly the same. But, but where my calling is a little bit different is I stand before you with the word of God in my hand is verse 7. He says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What this means is that when I stand before the judgment seat of God, the blood of Jesus is going to wash over all of the worries and the fears and the sins of my life just like it's going to wash over yours. But what Jesus is going to hold me accountable to is whether or not I stood before you and reminded you in moments of fear and stress and worry and joy and pain, and especially in moments like this, whether I reminded you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I don't want to get that wrong. And so when I come before Jesus, I want to be able to say to Jesus, I put it up on the screen for them. (laughs) And I made them say it out loud with me. So you need to do that. You need to do that in the back overflow. And you need to do that at home. Say it out loud with me, with confidence, without fear. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And sometimes we have to say important things again. So let's say it again. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just in case you didn't hear it, let's do it one more time. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ loves you. He wants to be with you. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven in complete control of everything that is happening around us right now, just like he always has been and just like he always will be. And the world that Jesus is King and Lord over is bigger It's bigger than this moment. It's bigger than an election. It's bigger than a single country. And so I think it's fitting. When I asked Holly and Fred to speak with us today, I I didn't even think about the fact that it was going to be the Sunday after an election, but I think God knew exactly what he was doing because this is going to give us an opportunity to stand back and see just how big the world of God is and just how incredible his hand is moving in and through so many places, including halfway around the world. And so I know we're going to invite them via video, so it might feel kind of weird but I still want you to do this with me. Let's give a very warm welcome to our missionary friends, Holly and Fred Okoth, as they join us. Let's welcome them. All right, well, hello, Holly and Fred. (laughs) We're so grateful that um, you get to be with us at St. John's, whether it's physically at St. John's, those of us that are gathered there or in our homes. Um, that's where you are. And of course, we wish you were physically with us, but this is the next best part. Um, Thank you for being with us. Most of us know who you guys are, but I assume that there's some that don't. So um, why don't you just maybe start out with just a brief introduction and let us know how you're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you very much, St. John's and uh, through Pastor Tom for giving us this opportunity. Uh, to just to talk to you and to share our experience in this uh, country, Kenya. Uh, we, we, we are so grateful. To begin with, I'm uh, Pastor Fred Okot, and uh, I serve, or I and family, we serve in Kisumu, Kenya, at Good News uh, Kenya, and we are happy to be with you uh, today. And uh, I think um, and the it's been two years since we were there physically, uh, just like Pastor Tom was saying. And yep. uh, so far, 
things have been doing well. Uh, we are adjusting with the, I mean, in far, as far as the new normal is concerned with the uh, pandemic. And we are doing fine. Girls are doing school online and uh, they, they like it. They like it. It's a new normal. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, we use we use that term quite a bit too. New new normal. I don't think anybody loves it, but it seems to have become what it is. It is what it is. So it, there's something there's something comforting to know that um, you're experiencing that too. And and that was kind of um, it was like back in March, I think it was. We had you guys speak um, to us and share. Uh, how things were going in Kenya, because at the very beginning of everything, it was an encouragement then too, to know that we weren't the only ones that were experiencing the things that we were experiencing. And um, yet that's been a long time. And so um, how, how have you guys been? Are there any, any short updates that you'd want to share um, over the last eight months in ministry and just as a family? Well, eight months ago, we were asking what's going on and Today, we're also asking what is going on. <laughs> right, so, so are we, so are we. A lot has uh, remained the same, but um, the country has opened up some more. So before people couldn't travel in and out of Nairobi, but now the country has opened up and uh, people can travel into Kenya and outside of Kenya. Mm -hmm. um, there's still a, a nationwide curfew from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. So you can't leave your house in between those hours. There's a mandatory mask that you need to wear or you'll be um, afraid of seeing people be arrested in the marketplace yeah. for not wearing wow. a mask. Um, um, our kids uh, aren't in school until January, which is mm -hmm. really tough on a lot of families. And you find that a lot of kids are working to help their parents um, yeah. bring in an income. Um, so they only have a couple, the fourth graders, eighth graders, and 12th graders back to school because it is their national exam year. Um, but besides that, all, all schools are closed until January. Um, our, our church opened back up in July, which has been really good, I think, for all of us to be able to be back in church, be able to check on our brothers and sisters, how they're doing on, on a weekly basis, both spiritually and also physically, making sure that everyone has uh, what they need. We meet outside under tents, and we social distance. We have more services now, so we're not as crowded. Um, and, of course, you have to wear a mask and we feel like we're doing, we feel comfortable going to church. We don't feel like we're putting our family or others at risk. And it's a way that we can both uh, feel encouraged in the body of Christ during this challenging time, which is something we really need. So when, when we first talked about um, having this conversation, um, I asked you to, to think about how has your mission changed um, as, as a church, as a family. Um, it isn't that your mission is, has changed. We're, we're still reaching people with the gospel. We're loving our neighbors, but the way in which we do it changes. And so I, I just wanted to ask you, how, how has that all impacted you and how has your mission changed and pivoted because of what we've been going through? Well, I'm definitely someone who likes to follow rules and have guidelines. And our ministry almost has two different portions to it. We have in the village where we have the majority of our sponsored ch children um, and our group of widows. And then we have in the city, um, our church ministry. And we almost see them as two different things. A lot of our project money and the support that we raise, like when you guys give food baskets for Christmas and stuff, that goes a lot to the village because there's an overwhelming need, a bigger need in the village. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So a lot of that goes there. And while the church in Kisumu is for the most part self-sustained, it's able to take tithes and offerings from the congregation and support some of the, the bare expenses that happen. Mm. Of course, sometimes there's, there's someone who's in need that we do help in our church, but we like to try to see them as black and white. We like mm. to say that in the village is where we, where we try to offer more humanitarian support mm. when we can and work on discipleship and things in the church. But when Corona hit Kenya, <laughs> I think all of this kind of blurred into one big color for us. It was all, everything was all of a sudden gray. Mm. And I think it was the heart of God that was really convicting us that we can't see any, we can't see things separate anymore because of the, the, the that the need is overwhelming mm. and um, that so many of our brothers and sisters would be affected by this pandemic. It had led us to have more compassion for our church members during this time where normally we've never handed out food baskets in our church in Kisumu, but um, we knew that um, in, the, in, the, in, in our church in Kisumu, they're not able, able to really farm land. Mm -hmm. Where in the village, they can farm land. So here, there's almost even a bigger need because they don't have land to farm during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. So it really, it really challenged our hearts to think outside of that box, like you said in 2020, and to say, how can we, how can we help the church during this time? And mm -hmm. how can we help our community during this time mm -hmm. that we're living in? And um, it was for sure, I think we had some discussion, like, is this the right step that we want to go? Or there's going to be some percussions and some aftermath. You know, we live in a more populated area in, and it's hard to say this, this is your church. <laughs> you know, your church can, church members can be a very large group. And if your members know you're distributing food, um, we could have thousands of people show up, which just is, is kind of risky, but we decided to take, take that chance and to really be able to support our members and to support our most needy community members in, in, in Kisumu where we live, as well as our sponsorship program and the widows. And we've really seen, because we've been able to be more compassionate, because we've been able to, to forget our rules for a little bit and almost live by faith, we've seen an abundance of God's provision in that. Mm. And that's been humbling for us because like I said, I like to follow rules, but almost by following God. And yeah. it, what you're saying to me, sounds an awful lot like when Jesus told the disciples that they were going to feed thousands of people, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, and, and it's a hard story because we look at that and go, you know, I know the story. I've heard it since I was a kid, you know, it multiplied. But if I was there and I had to order pizza for all of those people. <laughs> I, I, I would, I, I would be saying to Jesus the same thing. This, this just doesn't make sense. And it sounds like there's a lot of examples in what you guys have experienced that would look the same way that God has provided um, for. And, and there was one in particular that you shared with me earlier when we were talking about someone who needed a, a whole new house. And that is not something that normally as a church, you guys are able to provide, but, um, but it was kind of a fish and loaves story. So can you, can you share that with us? Yeah, one, an older man in our church, um, we call them in Swahili, there's a word of endearment for elderly man called Mze. We call him Zejura, and one of our church leaders went to visit him in his home and came back to our, our staff meeting and just said the condition of this man's home is is unbearable. He can't live it any longer. Mm. And instead of our, our leader at that time saying, you know, can we look to the West, you know, to the U.S. for funds to raise this 
funds for this man to build a house. Um, he said, I want us to go to the church and I want us to fundraise in the church. Mm -hmm. And we were also a little hesitant at the time, like we've not done this before. And times are tough in Kenya as well as in the U.S. to, to continue to fundraise. Mm -hmm. But we, we decided to approach the church with it and ask the church because they, they know the condition of this man and they know that he's, he's not well off and building a house during this time would be a struggle for him. And uh, we just, we approached the church with it and they, they accepted it with a, a round of applause and they were forward and people pledged yeah. $2 and $10. And all of a sudden we are at our goal of $500 in one Sunday and wow. it's still being for pledges. So the, the money is still coming in in the next couple of weeks, we hope to be able to build and say Jura house. But I, for us, it was such an affirmation of that when we were able to put our, our, our rules aside and show compassion and compassion to them, they were also able to do the same and mm -hmm. say that, yeah. you know, we uh -huh. know as a church, we don't build people mud huts, but mm -hmm. we're going to build this because it's a brother in need. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's an awesome, awesome story and an awesome example of how God, you, you sensed his movement in the midst of this. And it was kind of a crazy vision. And at the same time, um, he was in it and then he invited others along for it as well. Um, that it was the entire church that stepped up that wouldn't have had the opportunity to serve this man together. Um, and for them to be blessed by giving, if you guys didn't think outside the box, if you didn't leave the camp, so to speak. So, um, I, I really like that. And I, I think one of, one of the ways this, this whole season that we've been going through has kind of forced us to shift our way of thinking is, is where we look for help and, and specifically what we see is, is our responsibility to help our neighbors and what hope we have in our government. Um, and, and, and I think that's, um, that's certainly applicable um, in our world right now. I think if we get to the bottom, you know, as of recording this right now, um, I don't know if by Sunday we'll have uh, an answer, but we still don't know who our president is as, as a country. And um, I think one of the issues there and why this is such an anxious thing for us as a people is because we have a different view of what we expect of our governments, um, what, what policies are going to take care of us and take care of our loved ones and take care of the things that we find uh, to be most important. And um, it's just been fascinating that as we've gone through this whole season, um, we've had to learn to, to help each other in ways that maybe before we would have expected somebody else to do. And so I'm just kind of curious, have you seen that in your context as well? Um, when we gave out our food baskets for the first time, we had a couple remaining. And one of the gentlemen who was helping us distribute them, I gave him one of the extra food baskets and said, can you give this to your mom, who, who is a widow in our community? She's not a church member, but I knew she would be someone who'd be blessed by uh, groceries for the week. Mm. And later that night, Fred received a phone call from the mom and she was overwhelmed in tears, uh, appreciating the Lord and our church for be, being able to provide for her. And that the previous day, she said she spent 11 hours at our local chief camp waiting for four pounds of rice from the government. Mm. And 11 hours later, she got chased away with hundreds of people by with tear gas because there just wasn't enough rice and there was too many people mm. there. Mm. And it wow. was it was so sad for us to hear that that's how our government is is handling this situation, but also it gave us hope that what can we do as a church to, mm. to, to come and help people mm. and as a ministry. And I, I really feel like 
in a lot of ways we've done our part and we're not done doing our part we still want to be able to to help during this time mm -hmm. yeah no I, I thank you i mean that's just devastating to hear that that's what's going on and at the same time, I feel like we, I can learn, I'll just speak for myself, but I think others as well, um, it, just how you're balancing this horrible tragedy in, um, you should be able to expect far more from your government, right? You know, whether it's to distribute aid that was given for a purpose um, or not tear gas people that are hungry. Um, I mean, that's horrible, right? And at the same time, you didn't allow that to prevent you as a church from stepping up. Um, you helped this family. And in some ways, the, the way that the government let them down created an opportunity. Well, I, let me, I'll ask you that because that's kind of how I'm seeing it. Would you agree with that? that? That because the government so failed these people, this specific family, it gave your church an opportunity to step in and not only to meet their physical need, but to share the gospel in a way that if they got the rice from the government, maybe they never would have. Is that, would you agree with that? Is that, is that what you've seen in, in that example and in others? Yeah, you are absolutely right. That one, you know, by the government failing to do what he's supposed to do to the community, uh, that would give us a window or a door on uh, acting in a positive way in reaching uh, these people with this help and plus the gospel of Jesus Christ of love, you know. So I would say yes. And it reminds us of where we should really put our hope. We shouldn't put our hope in the yeah, government exactly. or in politics. Exactly. We should put our hope in the church, in, in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm what a what a message that that we need to hear right now is americans um is is that we shouldn't be putting our hope where it's where it doesn't belong um and we have a higher hope and a higher calling and um and that's hard <laughs> it was hard for the jews um that that the author of hebrews was writing to um it's it's hard for us right now as americans who are being so let down by the divisions in our world and in our government, and um, this is nothing that you guys are, are foreign to in Kenya either. Um, I know um, you've, you've had a lot of experience in being let down, and God's used it to allow you to step up, and um, just an incredible example that you've shared. Um, you know, kind of as we, as we close, how all of that considered, how would you, how would you encourage us in this season? Um, it's a great blessing to have you um, selfishly because you give us perspective and you encourage us with what you're doing. Um, so, so how, how might you be able to encourage us? You know, what's going on in our country, you know, what's going on in our election, you know, all of those things. Um, and, and then, you know, last and, and, and most important, how can we encourage you? Um, we asked that question seven, eight months ago when we had you speak to us the first time. Um, and we would like to know that again, how can we partner with you and encourage you in what you're going through right now? Yeah, I, I mean, um, on the question on how we can encourage, encourage you, uh, based on the last statement that, uh, my wife has really uh, put, as in he said that she said that uh, our hope should be totally on God. 
not on politicians because uh, they will fail us as the way they have been, you know. So I think uh, to add on what uh, she's really said, I just want to encourage uh, you that to love one another, uh, I mean, as a church and as a country and as a people of the United country, you know, uh, love one another, regardless of um, their affiliated party, regardless of who uh, they voted for, you know, I think just like I said, let us just, you just love one another, encourage one another, uh, take one another as individual, you know, I mean, I mean, because that one will really uh, put the church and the country together. Love has to come first, mm. regardless of their party. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so what you shared, Fred, was an encouragement to us. Um, how, how would you, um, how can we encourage you in Kenya and continue to partner with you in ministry? You know, earlier today I was attending an online Zoom Bible study for missionaries in Kisumu, and I was teaching on the book of Philippians mm -hmm. and chapter mm -hmm. four, where Paul expresses his, his gratitude mm -hmm. to the church for their generosity and as I was teaching this it was funny because I knew in the afternoon in the evening tonight uh, we'd be meeting with Pastor Tom and I just thought like this is St. John's Church to us right now the way that uh, Paul was saying thank you for sharing your generous gifts with us and um, he, he also went on to say that you have shared with me in my troubles and I have just I have just I don't, I don't want to look forward, but I just want to thank you for, as we look back and say, mm -hmm. you know, in a year ago, we've now had our new car for a year. And to think a year ago, right. St. John's partnered with us yeah. in helping us get that mm -hmm. car. You, you know, you had helped us get our first matching fund off the ground. Mm -hmm. And then to think you, that was a trouble. That was, that was a crisis that we were in, in some ways, not yeah. having the, the ministry. Mm -hmm. And then to think about just, you know, a couple months ago when we reached you reached out to us, Pastor Tom. I remember talking to Alyssa and you said, hey, if there's any way that you, you, we can help you, yeah. let us know. And I, I, I remember that when I hear Paul say, you have shared with us in our troubles, that in times of trouble, you have reached out and you have been an encouragement to us. So uh, just like Paul thanked the Philippians Church, I would like to thank your, your congregation, St. John's, for just standing with us. I feel like our burden is lighter when we know we have partners like St. John's mm. to be with us. So thank you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you, because I, I feel the same way. I think I speak for all of us, um, especially right now when we're feeling so isolated and divided to know that we are united and to know that we're united here and we're halfway around the world from each other, right? And the gospel does that for us. It did it for Paul and the church in Philippi. Um, and it does it anytime we encourage one another and support each other. So thank you both. Um, I want to speak to, you know, the people in, in our community. If you want to support uh, Fred and Holly and the ministry that they are doing every single month, um, it's by a thread that they're able to continue to do the things that God's calling them to do. And so we will include information if you want to give to them financially. Um, there's a website you can do that. You can't buy lasagna anymore, unfortunately, because it's all been spoken for. Um, but I have a pan, so if you're hungry, come to my house and we'll, we'll enjoy it together. Um, but thank you so much, uh, Fred and Holly, uh, for joining us this morning. And can I ask you to close out our time here in prayer? 
um, before we let you go? Absolutely. Father, we thank you, King of Glory, for this wonderful time that we've had with your servant, Pastor Tom, King of Glory. I thank you for the effort and also the wisdom and the strength that you've given him, King of Glory, standing, your overlord, with your people, encouraging them, teaching them, your overlord, even our King of Glory, challenging them in one way or the other. I want to say thank you. And even your overlord, I want to say thank you for... Uh, using him, King of Glory, even to uh, uh, encourage uh, his church members, King of Glory, to, to support us, O King of Glory, and even the Overlord to, to go extra mile, your Overlord, in standing with us together with the ministry that you've entrusted uh, to us, King of Glory, here in Kenya. We thank you and we glorify your name. May you be lifted up, O King of Glory. I want to remember the Overlord. Um, the country, West King of Glory, and I want to say, Lord, may your peace prevail, King yes. of Glory. No matter who the Lord have, uh, won this election, I want to speak of your peace, King of Glory. Violence, King of Glory, comes from the kingdom of darkness. And as the Bible says, King of that the enemy come to steal, to destroy, and to kill. That's, that is his intention. I want you, O Lord, to ask you, may your spirit go King of Glory ahead mm -hmm. and also to inhabit the hearts of people that the enemy might have captured right now in readiness, the Lord, to cause chaos. Lord, I want to ask you, Lord, that may you please calm them, my Father, and Lord, mm. control right now. Thank you, King of Glory, for there is no one like you. In Jesus' name, we pray and believe. Amen. 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 Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your prayers. We need them. And um, we're, we'll continue to, to ask those things of God. And we're, we so covet you asking them on our behalf as well. Um, thank you, Holly and Fred. Uh, you guys have, have a wonderful rest of your evening. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.